Hear that? It's the sound of someone whacking the ground with a rake. Specifically, they're beating around the bush, which we've done enough of in this ad too, so let's get right to it. The new moneymaker scratch-off from the Ohio Lottery doesn't beat around the bush. Money maker. Play the game and you could win money, up to $2 million. With more than $88 million in prizes, ranging from $50 to $500, Moneymaker cuts right to the cash. Lottery players are subject to Ohio laws and commission regulations. Play responsibly. Welcome to the Who Are You Wearing podcast. I'm the host, Kira Fitcher McLean, and this podcast is just an excuse for me to pester stylish people about what they wear and, more importantly, why they wear the clothes they do. This week's chat is really lovely, and it's a woman I think is incredible. Not only is she a founder of a charity doing immeasurable good, she's now a Times best selling author, and she's also the owner of one of the most relaxing voices I've ever heard. It's Chris Hellinger. This episode was recorded in August of 2021, so before Chris's book, Glittering a Turd, best title ever, was released and became a bestseller. Chris was down in Cornwall and I was sat in my walk-in wardrobe, which I recently accurately described as panic room for a drag queen. It's very likely you'll be aware of Chris's charity, Copperfield, but not everyone knows the stylish, fun woman behind it. So I think you'll really enjoy this Scottish, Scottish is Welsh for chat, by the way. Um, heads up, we do talk about cancer, so if you need to duck out, just do what's right for you. If you stuck around, lovely stuff, prepare to be charmed and relax. Oh, this is so lovely. As I ask the stupendous Chris Hallinger, who are you wearing? The gymnastics outfit that I begged my parents to buy me. Like, it was so <laughs> colourful. And, like, I didn't feel like a gymnast until I wore this leotard. And then I felt like... This is me. I mean, it didn't last. It lasted like five minutes. But you know when you just want something so bad? <laughs> and because all the other girls had these incredible outfits and I got this leotard and it was just like, I thought, this is it. I've arrived. This is what I'm meant to do. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I, it's it's amazing. Even if I saw that outfit now, it would bring back those same, like, same memories. Um, isn't it amazing that your brain can store those things? So I'd say I must have been about... I don't know, like six. I could say about wow. six. Um, and then also, <laughs> so again, because I grew up in Germany, um, you don't wear school uniform, um, and they make a massive deal of your first day of school. Like it's huge. You go to like church for some reason, um, and then you have like a celebration with your family at home. You get given loads of presents. Um, it's really weird. It's like. When I moved to England, I was like, what, you just literally just go to school and learn stuff on the first day. Why would you do that? <laughs> um, so, yeah, um, and you obviously dress up for the occasion as well. And my sister and I wore these incredible, like, velvet silk dresses with these big puffed sleeves. So I had a purple one and my <laughs> twin had, a, like, a pinkish one. And we just looked amazing. Um, and, you know, <laughs> I, I don't know why, because, like, 
I'm, you know, you're young, why would you even care about these sort of things? But I guess that was the first time where I was like, okay, now I'm comparing myself to other people because I'm going to school now, I'm around people that I'm going to make friends with, like what I wear maybe mm. matters. And I, like, I'm still quite conflicted about whether I prefer school uniform or non-school uniform because in a way, when I moved to England, I didn't have to think about clothes anymore. I just had to wear my uniform. I didn't have to feel like I had to fit in or like wear something cool. Not that I really thought that in Germany, but it's definitely there because everyone is starting to express themselves, aren't they? And you ex you can express mm. yourself through clothes. Um, yeah, and I didn't. I just wasn't aware of that until I came to England, and I thought, oh, what a relief! I don't have to think about this very much. I can just <laughs> literally put the same old shit on every day, and no one cares. <laughs> so that was quite nice. So yeah, I'd say they, they were my two statement pieces as a kid. Love them. Absolutely love them. What did what did the leotard look like? What were the colours on it? Just multicoloured. It was amazing. It's like literally blobs of different colours. Um, I mean, it's amazing. I, I, I remember more about that outfit than I do about any of the moves I learnt, any <laughs> of the classes. Uh, it was just that outfit. It was amazing. It was epic. I could also see you absolutely wearing that now. <laughs> uh -huh. If it fit, I absolutely would. I bet my mum's still got it somewhere because she stores absolutely everything. We are obviously going to ask you at some point for a picture of those so we can okay. put it on the Instagram because they sound amazing. Sure. Um, so did you have, so you've got this colourful leotard mm. um, that helps you feel more like a gymnast, which I love, and you've got these amazing velvet and silk dresses um, that you and your twin have got different colours of. So... Did you have a strong sense of style as a kid then of what you what looked good, how you wanted to be seen? Well, I, I guess, I, to be honest, I'm not sure how much, um, like, I don't know how much I really said to my mum, like, I, I want this outfit to be like this. So what I failed to mention is that my mum made the outfits. <laughs> um, so she, the dresses she made herself. Um and I can't remember ever like sitting down with her and going, so what colours do you want? What fabrics do you like? <laughs> um, it was very much like what mum puts us in is what we wear. Um, but still feeling amazing once I did. So, you know, I was, I was quite a bit of a tomboy. I spent a lot of time outside. So it was more like practical clothes back then. But um, it was just those special occasions like Christmas or, or uh, first day of school or, you know, um, uh, performances with school or things like that that were I guess made an occasion of because our mum made us these outfits so we saw her slave over them night after night you know <laughs> until our fingers bled from the sewing machines like she did she worked so hard on all of our clothes just and I don't you know it was like her way of like well I think it's just it was just that generation of like what if, if I can't buy it if it's not in the shops there and then I may as well make it you know um, and she was incredibly good at it. And so I think you learn to appreciate those clothes more because you've seen the labour behind it. You've seen that your mum is like sweating at night trying to make this zip fit or whatever. Um, <laughs> and then she kind of makes you feel like I should be bloody grateful because she slaved away at it. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I think that's what made me think about those items of clothes a bit more. And also with the leotard, like... My parents couldn't just go out and buy whatever I wanted. Like, they had to be considered, like, does she really need it? Like, there were so many items mm. when I got older, so when we moved to England, where we had less money because our parents divorced, etc. My mum was trying to keep her kids 
under a roof and stuff. And I'd see kids wearing like, um, I'm going totally off piece here, sorry. But like, I'd see kids wearing like cool, um, Adidas tracksuit bottoms and, um, those cool kicker train, like kicker shoes that they wore to school yeah. and stuff. And I would go like to the market and get like the cheap version <laughs> because I wanted to feel like yeah. I could still wear those clothes, but I couldn't, like, we could not afford the right, like the expensive version. Um, I don't know why, mm. I don't know why I felt that way. I, I, but I never felt like I had to fit in because like, I'd, in the, like, in the way of like what I was wearing. Um, but I must have been slightly aware of what other kids were doing and feeling like, or maybe mm. if I wore those clothes, I'd be more accepted. That must have been some conscious decision in that. Otherwise, I would have just rebelled against it and said, sorry, I don't want to wear those trousers anyway. Um, so yeah. I, there was definitely a sense of like, oh, I wish I could have those sort of things. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think when we were little, it was all about like clothes that our mum made and made such a hoo-ha about and then we pranced around in them. Um, I loved it. <laughs> Absolutely loved it. It's so lovely. Oh, I, I've, um, I don't know if you're the first twin I've spoken to on this. Mm. Um, because I'm always, when I was growing up and I'd see twins dressed the same, I just thought it was the coolest thing in the world. But <laughs> I don't know if as a twin you feel like that or are you like, please stop dressing us in the same thing? Like, did you dress yourselves or was it your mum or was it your family? I think as soon as we could, we dressed ourselves. Um, and I think a lot of people, yeah, assume that twins wear the same clothes, but actually we have an older sister. So it was a, like a lot of hand-me-down clothes, um, clothes from friends and stuff. So there weren't always the two of the same thing. So like, again, special occasions, like, but we'd wear the same, but there'd be like a slight dip, like there'd be in a different color mm-hmm. or something. There'd be just something different about it. Um, and then at school, like we wouldn't like make sure that we wore the same things on like special days or anything like that. It was just whatever we could wear um but yeah now i think when i see little like little little twins in the same outfits i'm like look at that it's so cute (laughs) but at the time like you obviously don't appreciate it because you don't know any different were you ever put in anything that you hated then that you just felt in Mm, no i don't think so i don't think so no um, apart from obviously having to dress for dress up for Christmas and deciding I didn't want to and then wore my shell suit instead. <laughs> I think that's the, literally the only time where I felt like I need to decide what I'm wearing today. Do you have, um, when you were growing up as either a kid or a teenager, did you have a favourite item or outfit that you would you just felt like a million dollars in? Oh, it's fancy dress. Fancy dress, okay. I think, brought me way more joy than anything <laughs> any other normal clothes um and again mum made us all our fancy dress outfits and in germany they have this thing called carnival and um you just dress up however you want to um this they have this thing called i mean you've heard of the term carnival before but (laughs) they do this carnival thing in germany certainly where i grew up um and all the kids wear fancy dress to school and you have like parties all day and it's so fun um and mum made us these like um almost like i dream of genie outfits um yeah it was so cool um and they were yeah she made them out of silk and we had little hats with you know with the little like um uh like the mesh underneath our chins oh my god like she went she went absolutely to town in those outfits and like when 
when they were done, we wore them to school. That I mean, I felt like the absolute shit. Like I, <laughs> that was it. And Myron and I, we were wearing the same outfit, but she made them in slightly different colours, and we just felt so cool. So yeah, it's never been normal clothes that have made me feel amazing. It's very much been fancy dress, and I'd say the same in adulthood too. But then, where where's where's the boundary between normal clothes and fancy dress? You know? Well, I, I what, think so. What, what, where's the line? <laughs> when I think people who are experimental and have, um, you know, a certain sense of style, I, I yeah. think what they would consider wearing is what other people would think is wild for a fancy yeah. dress. Yeah, yeah. I just think whatever you fancy. Like if you fancy, if you get up in the morning and like, I'm going to put cat ears on today. Fair play. <laughs> <laughs> um, I know that you're saying that because at some point I definitely think you will have worn cat ears <laughs> absolutely yes <laughs> so when you were a teenager then and growing up what what were the big trends did you go in for any of them or were you sort of marching to the beat of your own drum a bit more um, to some extent marching to my own beat because of what we could afford and what I like I don't know like um, I wasn't heavily influenced by what other kids were doing, but it was the 90s. And like, obviously, there was a trend. There was, you know, there was the crop tops and the um, the striped trousers and stuff like that and the kicker shoes. Um, and I definitely wanted those things, but couldn't have them most of the time. So obviously mm -hmm. had to wear whatever I could. I do remember this one time when we got to go to New Look, there was a... You can always tell what kind of town centre you've got by the shops that are there. We had a new look, and that was about it. We just had a new look and a Dorothy Perkins. And mum took us to new look one day, and I remember thinking, I love this crop top. And I was like, am I a crop top person? Like, can I pull that off? And I remember buying it and thinking, maybe I'm a crop top person. <laughs> um, and then, uh, but then I was never, like, when it came to, like, Mufti Day, um, non-uniform non day I wasn't brave enough to wear it so I only wore it at home yeah no. I just like there's some yeah I just didn't I just didn't have the confidence to do it um, so I wore something else um, yeah I think I, do you know I was so lucky that I had a, like my teenage years were filled with silliness and not really caring about what other people think too much like I had a great group of friends who were more into playing with our hamsters and guinea pigs and <laughs> um, making funny videos like home videos um, at home and like like our favorite show was smack the pony so we would do <laughs> like smack the pony sketches ourselves and film <laughs> ourselves and make advert tv adverts and stuff like that and I was like a real swat like I loved school I loved all my like my projects and stuff so I just I feel really lucky that I was part of a um, like there was no one who made me feel like I had to be something or wear something or or become something I think the only thing that really stands out in terms of like a statement that in my teenage years is when I started wearing like liquid eyeliner and um, I remember this girl who was nice to us when her friends weren't around but as soon as her friends were around she was a real bitch mm. um and but in a way like my friends and I like my, my so when I say my friends it was me Marin and another girl called Faye 
that was the subtitle of it. Um, we would kind of look at her in a way of like, oh, she's like, we, we always wanted to bring her under our wing as well because so whenever she was mean to us, like we wouldn't let it get to us. But equally, when she was, when she let her guard down around us, we're like, maybe she can be a nice person. So I don't know where she's ended up, but I really hope that she's ended up going down the nice person route, not the bitch route. Anyway, so she decided to actually help me one day put this eyeliner on. Um, and it was like such a moment for me to like almost feel like maybe I can be cool and wear makeup like the rest of these girls in school. Not that it really, it wasn't a defining moment of like, yay, now I'm like a woman or now I'm like cool. Like to me, cool didn't really mean much, but it was just like this, oh, this is great. Like maybe we can connect on this like weird level of eyeliner. Um, and uh, yeah, worn it ever since. Not wearing it today, but I, <laughs> I do wear it a lot, I think. Um, and it's one thing that has just always been with me is this liquid eyeliner. That's been part that. of me. So it's not so much clothes, but a makeup. That's yeah. so um that's such a sweet story as well of this girl that also your friends just seem so lovely that you weren't you know when this girl was not being very nice to you your the reaction that you have is one of empathy of like yeah. oh she, she's good inside and and yeah. hopefully she'll yeah. find the friend she can be comfortable around is so yeah. sweet. I know there was this one uh, school project that we had to do and we were desperate for her to be in our group because we knew that she would then do well. We wanted her to be like, come with us and we'll do this. We'll boss this project together. And I think she was so scared to almost work with the, 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 the boffs in the group because mm -hmm. of how the, her friends would react. But she did. <sighs> and it was, I think that was quite a brave move for her to like kind of go, well, fuck you. I want to do well. Um, yeah. I wonder where she is now. <laughs> I mean, we all want the follow-up podcast to find out where she is. Yeah, That's no, all. right. <laughs> so when you're a teenager and there's all these trends going around, obviously you've nailed the liquid eyeliner, but mm. did you have a rebellious phase and did it show up in what you wore? Um, I think Ava Lorene has a lot to answer for. <laughs> <laughs> Um, obviously without her wearing ties with absolutely any outfit, uh, wasn't mm -hmm. a thing until she came around <laughs> and wearing really long socks, like colorfully striped socks were not a thing either. Um, with like torn up trousers. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I think she very much influenced like my like 16, 17, 18 year old self. And I think it was, and that's when I sort of branched into, I mean, you can't call her music rock music, but to me it was rock music. Um, <laughs> and just a bit like, a bit different. It wasn't pop. It was just like, it was a bit, you know, it's like, what do you, rock pop? Pop rock? Is that a thing? Yeah. Pop punk, I think she was sort of. Yes. Yeah. More pop, pop punk. You're right. Um, and that's when I started to wear the same sort of things. Um, and I wore loads of shag bands. Um, I don't know. Do, do you know what a sh you know what a shag band is? Yeah, like? yeah, yeah. I bloody love shag bands. Wore loads of shag shag bands um, and wore lots of um, like denim skirts with long stripy socks. And I remember going to Germany. So our dad still visit. Um, our dad was still living in Germany after our parents divorced and we moved to England. And he was a teacher in his school, uh, this school, and. Uh, he was quite a stern teacher and this one day, I don't know why, we were visiting um, 
I decided to go into uh, his school with my other sister and like help him teach an English class. And I remember wearing this like very Ava Levine-esque outfit and thinking, I look so cool. Um, <laughs> only to be like confronted with lots of laughter and people calling me Pippi Longstockings or Pippi Langstrumpf as they call it over there. And I was like, I was devastated. I was devastated. That's because, the worst like, thing. Because I was like, have you heard of Ava Levine? She's like really cool. Um, but obviously they hadn't. And it was, yeah, that kind of put me back in my box a bit. Oh, but that's so brutal as a teenager when you've got that oh thing God, of like, it's the worst. I've nailed this outfit yeah. and then openly yeah. laughing at you. It's yeah. brutal. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I, you know, when you're just like, you're the pet, you're the kids of the teachers at this school, like you're going to get some kind of respect. We got none. Absolutely none. <laughs> um, yeah. So I regretted that decision. But... <laughs> Um, yeah, so I'd say that it's not really rebellious, but I thought, and we were, we almost felt like we were the first people to like Avril Lavigne because we've been to Canada mm. and where, where she was already so cool because obviously she's Canadian. And then we came to England, uh, came back from our holiday and, um, we were like, oh my God, there's this girl called Avril Lavigne. She's really cool. She goes to an amazing song called Skater Boy. Um, and everyone's like, what are you talking about? And then next thing you know, she's everywhere in the UK too. And that was what the first gig that Myron and I ventured to was an Avril Lavigne gig in London. Um, and it was the best thing ever. And that, that's when I felt like I'm like, this is, this is life. This is life where you get to cool, go and do cool shit like that. Um, and we met, we met up with this guy that we met on internet, on the internet, on this chat room. But our mum spoke to his mum first. Oh. So we got to meet this random guy. I think it was even at the borderline in London to watch Avril Lavigne that no one else had heard of. And it was just like, I think that's pretty cool for a 16-year-old. But I don't it's know, really maybe that's cool. my level of cool. No, that's great. And also, like, that 16-year-old boy, just like, he must have been just the bragging rights he must have had of being like, yeah, I'm taking these two girls to see Avril Lavigne. Obviously, yeah. he wouldn't have said, mum signed it off first. <laughs> but I think it's so cute. It's it adorable. is really cute. But he was such a massive disappointment because he was not everything that he was portraying online. So he was, like, so chatty online, the usual. And then as soon as we met him, he's, like, mute and it was so hard to hold a conversation with him. And so Maren and I, when, as soon as we got into the gig, we were like almost separated from him because he was like so boring. And oh. I felt a bit bad, but he was coming back to our house to stay in our house because he was all the way from Scotland. He traveled all the way from Scotland to come to this gig with these two random girls in London. I mean, when I say it out loud now, it sounds absolutely mad and something <laughs> that I cannot believe my mum allowed us to do. Um, yeah, so he came back on the train, back to our house in Northamptonshire, and he stayed on the like the camp bed in the in the living room, and then he but he literally said like two two words the whole time, and I swear he didn't go to the toilet the whole time. He didn't eat anything the whole time, and we're like, who is this guy? And then he went off oh. back to Scotland the next day, and it was so awkward. The whole thing was so awkward, but we got to see Avril Lavigne, and it was the best. What a poor love! I bet he's been like 
oh god he's probably just so shy and anxious and then he's like yeah and i'm gonna meet these girls and then as soon as he sees you it just falls apart for him oh my god i'm again i want a follow-up podcast what happened to him colin where are you um yeah (laughs) i mean imagine if he does still follow me and he's just like somewhere there in the background kind of voyeuristic about it um but then after that he sent us this this massive box arrived in the post and it had teddy bears in it and lots of love heart sweets bless him i know that's so so cute um yeah so that it felt so badass to go to london and do that with this weird guy from scotland it's still badass to do that now. Yeah. And I would still want my mum to phone their mum and check that they weren't <laughs> going to murder me. <laughs> so yeah. thinking about now and your style now, mm-hmm. I don't see loads of Avril Lavigne. When I think of you and your style, I think of colours and I think of a lot of indie businesses, which means that your stuff is not stuff I've seen elsewhere before and loads of great accessories. So that style, when did that start showing up? I didn't realise that I dressed the way I really wanted to. It was it really wasn't that conscious until maybe um, when I was twenty three, not long after I was diagnosed with breast cancer, and I was going out, started going out with this guy, and he said, I, "What I really like about you is that you don't care about what you wear." <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, and I and to this day, I don't know if that was a compliment. Or if he was saying, like, your, your style is quite unique. <laughs> um, um, and that's, when, that's what made me think, oh, okay, interesting. Um, but, like, I, I just feel so lucky that I haven't really made that many conscious decisions about it. Like, I love, I think I was way more conscious about these things when I was living in London. So London, when I'm in London, I feel, I feel so aware of what I'm wearing compared to when I'm in Cornwall um, because people are looking so cool. They have, you know, they are just like so, I feel like they're so liberated in what they're wearing and like they just are free. Um, and I feel like down here people conform to a, a bit more of a like a seaside country look mm-hmm. and everyone looks quite the same. Like I went to Brighton the other day and I swear, every second person I saw was wearing a Lucy and Yak dungarees. And I was yes. like, wow. It's the uniform. <laughs> it is. It very much is. Um, I was like, fair enough. I mean, they're cool. Um, yeah, so I, I'm glad that when you think of me, you think colour. I'm glad about that because I, I do love to wear colourful things. Because I think I just, I just bring me joy. I like clothes that bring me joy. I like clothes that have cats on because I, I'm obsessed with cats. Um, I like when I just see something and go, that needs to be in my life. And it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's not any more considered or thought out than that. Like it's just literally, that needs to be in my wardrobe. I'm buying it. Um, and yeah, I think most recently I've, I've, I'm trying to stay more away from the high street, you know, quick, fast fashion stuff because I really want to start um, enjoying my clothes more. And I, I'm guessing a lot of people have said this to you, that the pandemic has made them look at things that they own in a different light. And and I've definitely made, it's definitely made me think I've got enough. Like I have enough of, I've got more than what I need. 
and I want to start enjoying what I have a bit more. I don't know because I, I just wasn't shopping. There were like I like going into shops and I wasn't going into shops, so therefore you kind of have to look at your wardrobe and go, oh, I got these cool things already. I don't need more. Mm. Um, so, but you know, every now and again, I do love a splurge and I buy something that is just like great. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, and I like glittery items. I like wearing sparkles and sequins and for no other occasion than to just, it's a Tuesday, maybe. It's a Tuesday, <laughs> let's wear glitter. That's basically me. Is that, has it always been that case? I've always mm. been like, because I think you dress like a, like it's, like you're, I, I think if you compare to what you wear to what normal people in inverted commas wear, yeah. you would think if someone went oh she's just off to a something like some kind of celebration they go oh, oh yeah that makes sense whereas I think I think you yeah you're how, how you dress is very celebratory but I'm so I'm like am I projecting onto that a narrative because I know everything that you live through but yeah, I just maybe. think there's something it's, it's always there's a like an undertone of festival to what you're wearing oh good like, I'm so that makes me so happy that you've said that um yeah, I think being at festivals, um, that's when, I don't know, like you just go even wilder with your clothes, don't you? I don't know why it's at festivals that we really feel like we can wear absolutely any old shit and it looks cool. Like, I just love that though. Um, and I've, I've bought some epic out, outfits and stuff at festivals. Um, there's a dress that I, I wear like a lot. I've worn it to death that I bought at this random little stall at a festival. And I just love the story behind it as well. Like, if people ask me where's that from, I'm like, this is from this epic festival and it was such a good time. And, you know, I just love when clothes or things in your life have, like come with, like, so many great memories too. Um, so, no, I, I guess, you know, I think you're right. It, has, it, it came at a time in my life where I thought um, I need, like, joy is paramount. And that was when I was diagnosed breast cancer you know I just needed to know that there was still love, uh, still things to live for and things that um, aren't affected by cancer and clothing and the way you dress and things you put on and things that spark joy in that way cannot be touched by cancer <laughs> you can <laughs> you absolutely can polish that dirt <laughs> you, you can you can put on something that makes you feel good and a little well a, at least a little bit better um and cancer can do fuck all about that and i i like that i like and i i guess it's a sense of kind of rebellion and control over a very uncontrollable situation that i'm in um and i try to bring that in into i guess a few aspects of my life like you know what i eat and um who i choose to spend time with like all you know positive things and that comes in the same way as clothes so like positive clothes positive life positive outlook i don't know maybe it's that but it's not every day it's not every day i go today i'm going to wear this because i must feel more positive it's just like it comes way more natural than that to me yeah and i, I wonder if it's you get to the point um where i think i'm at now i've amassed so many clothes and i bought those things that make me feel happy that now just everything i have whatever I put together even my tracksuit bottoms I'm like 
make sure they're fun and you feel nice in them, mm-hmm. you know, because that will make exercise a bit easier. So yes. now I can't fail to put stuff together that is, it's all mad because yeah. that's just how I bought it. <laughs> yeah, great. Why not mix and match all the goodness together? What is your relationship with shopping then? You said you sort of um, had a good think during the pandemic about what you have and, and what you need. But are you mm. someone who likes going in the shop or are you like me and you're constantly, you see little popped up things on Instagram and then you go down and find a new business like or charity shopping I love as well. What's your vibe? Yes, all of it. Everything, <laughs> absolutely everything. I mean, Instagram is so bad. It knows exactly what I like and it will take <laughs> me to the thing. And the next thing, the thing is in my house. <laughs> like so many times I've fallen down that rabbit hole of look at this fancy outfit. It's very much like the other thing that you've got. Get it. <laughs> and it's, it's so bad. It's so good, but so bad for that. But I think I've discovered smaller brands because of it. And so I'm glad, I'm glad about that. Like I'm discovering way, like way more independent, smaller businesses that kind of need that support. Um, and you and I share the love for Woo Woo Boutique, don't we? Mm-hmm. Like we both, and I just discovered them on Etsy. I was literally just on Etsy browsing around, um, for a gift for someone else. And then I saw this outfit and I thought my friend Fern would absolutely love that. She needs to have that because she's loves Bowie. Um, and it had the, obviously the big, um, mm. like Bowie types, uh, the lightning bolt, bolt, lightning bolt on the back in glitteryness. And, uh, I just bought it and sent it to her and she absolutely loved it. And I was like, this is great. And then they were so glad that I'd done that. And I just really didn't think about that at all. I didn't consider the impact that it would have on this small business, but it, it, it has now it's like really sunk in that for some business, like stuff like that is really key. Um, and yeah, and now like I own some of their bits too. And it's very cool. Um, and those, those, all those items of clothing come with massive amounts of joy, don't they? They are fun mm-hmm. to wear. They're fun to look at, uh, fun to prance around in. Um, yeah, so that I've discovered things through pure procrastination online. <laughs> um, I think when, when shit hits the fan in my life, I do find that I do more online shopping for sure. Like I need, it's, it's, uh, it's annoying, but it's that endorphin hit that I know is guaranteed. I know when something comes through my door, um, and it's new and it's shiny, um, and it makes me feel good. I just, I just know that I can get that guaranteed. Like that's, it's, it's just a given. And all I have to do is make some few clicks online and it's there. I mean, it's a very addictive thing and I'm glad I haven't gone too wild with it. But um, yeah, but I know that that makes me feel good. Um, but equally, like I've definitely missed going into shops. Like um, when I go when I go to the, the big smoke um, back to London, like I I do love it. And I, I appreciate it more because I, I don't have it in Cornwall. There's just not that many shops to go in. Um and it's nice to kind of appreciate it when I when it was on my doorstep when I lived in London I just didn't see it in that way at all but now it's a treat so if I buy something it's more of a treat rather than a just a walking home from work splurge like it it means more and it has more value I think so I'm glad about that and also I'm I actually have enjoyed moving to Cornwall and actually relaxing a bit more into like 
just not having to feel like I have to really think about what I wear because um, when I was in London I was obviously going to the office every day and you're around people that are wearing cool clothes or whatever and then um, even though I wasn't necessarily um, pressured into wearing certain things but you just you're just aware of it aren't you you're just aware yeah. that someone's got a new item of clothing and you're still wearing this same old manky cat fur covered <laughs> crap um then you just like do something about it but down here i just literally don't care (laughs) and it's so good it's so good i literally i have been to the shops in my pajama bottoms um yeah i just don't care and I, i love it i love that i don't care and maybe it makes as well um certainly the pandemic has felt like this for me is and moving to the countryside where it's less i'd say image focused is what's comfortable what's practical mm-hmm. and when then i do get dressed up for like a wedding or something it feels like a real occasion yes and um, because i'm not trying the rest of the time and it's actually yeah. brought a bit of joy back to those occasions mm-hmm. yeah oh absolutely i'm having a um book launch party and the theme is glitter slash turd so take from that <laughs> what you will. And <laughs> um, I'm ultra excited about what people are coming, going to come wearing. But also, um, I've heard so many messages from people saying, I'm so glad that I have an occasion to wear this sparkly item to because it's been sat in my wardrobe for the last 18 months and I've had nothing to wear it to. <laughs> and because um, like we all like got excited during the first few months of lockdown like doing fun zoom parties like i i definitely got dressed up for some of those but they died didn't they very swiftly and um, (laughs) then it got dull and so now to have a real life event to wear something to i'm just so glad that i'm making that happen for people let alone the fact that we're celebrating my book like i'm so glad that people get to dress up and express themselves in clothes again and wear something that really brings joy um and that's the night away with me so yeah i'm happy about that and I'm I'm very so lucky lovely. that Rose, you know Rosa Bloom, don't you, the glittery goddess? Yes, that is yeah, Bloom. I've got loads of their bits, yeah. Yeah, so I met Rosa at a festival years and years ago, and um, she has lent me some amazing items for my book launch party, which I'm excited about. But I've oh. decided that, and I asked to like, I'm sure she would have like gifted them to me, but I don't, I don't. It's kind of come to the point where I just don't want to necessarily own these items. I want to wear them and feel massive joy in them in that moment and then give them back because, like, they've they've done their thing. I mean, I'll be giving it back very sweaty, but um, <laughs> I want to give these items back and, like, give someone else the chance to wear this thing because otherwise it's just going to sit in my house and I'm not going to wear it because they are, they are definitely not pieces that I just wear down to the supermarket. They are epic. Um so yeah I'm, i think the whole you know i think we're moving towards this like um borrowing clothes and renting clothes i is so brilliant like rental of something like rent something that you're going to wear once and then give it back and then someone else have a go with it guys i think that's brilliant so good mm. they don't have that service totally. down here in Cornwall yet but i want it <laughs> oh it wouldn't be long because also no. it's that thing of if you wear it and you love it and you think I can't not have that in my life then you can mm. buy it and you know if you can yeah. think of another however many occasions you'll wear it for yeah but you're yeah. so right that I think we've gotten this really um not very great habit of having something brand new to wear f- for every occasion and that's not yeah. sustainable no no absolutely not 
absolutely not. And I've um, I've worn something recently, and I think because we're we're going to more towards like rework, like keep. Yeah, rewear your items and like it's it's cool it's almost like cool to do that like to to hold on to something that's uh that means something to you um i wore something recently and i'd worn it before and i think i wore it on telly or something and i was like and i've worn this outfit before and i just felt like quite proud of myself for like wearing <laughs> the same outfit again or even like going to a wedding and i'm wearing something you've worn before like no one cares literally no one everyone's thinking about their own outfit they don't care about your outfit um yeah and i think just yeah try and find the joy in these clothes again because it it, it they can be reignited it can mm. um so i'm going to i'm going to try to do that a bit more do you think about sustainability and things when you're when you're shopping then is that is that part of your draw to small businesses i think it is now i'm trying i'm trying to uh be better at that um it's just a bit, but it's just sometimes so easy to just to go on ASOS and buy something real quick because it's so quick the delivery wise and mm. it's the price point isn't it it's if something's so cheap you just can't argue with that but then equally it's cheap for a reason someone has been shut on from a great height to get it to that price um and it's mm. not it's not right um so and I'm glad that now I follow a lot of um uh, people on Instagram that remind me of that and remind me of like mm. this utter guilt that I feel when I buy clothes like that. <laughs> and it's, it's good. I think that's, you know, so, social media is good for that because you like it helps you kind of recalibrate your, like your moral compass, I guess, in, in certain things. And like, so like Arja Baba, like she's very good at speaking out about, um, mm. the inequalities and, and, uh, you know, the, the trade and, um, and also Venetia Faulkner, is that her name, Venetia? She's also really good at um, just making me more aware and just like, I'll, I'll sit and read their stuff and I'm like, oh, they, I can't argue with that. Like that is, like it's so good to be reminded that these things, everything that we own comes at a cost to someone. Um, and a lot of the time it comes at cost to some poor human being or the planet. And like, it's just not worth it anymore. So. Um, having said that, you know, it's very easy for me to say that I'll buy more expensive items because I'm in the position to be able to do that, but not everyone is. So it's like, it's a, you know, it's an ongoing battle, I guess. But someone needs to start doing something about it. And I'm so glad that people are making us more aware of the situation. But I, I genuinely do love buying from smaller brands now. And I want to try and make that and, and obviously buy items that I that are better quality as well that last longer um that will see me through many years and therefore you know it's worth the, the cost that you pay for it we could all bloody try can't we exactly it's all about just trying isn't it and um, now I know you have your liquid eyeliner but do you think about makeup <laughs> as part of your outfit I don't go anywhere without mascara ever literally ever um but um i guess when um it depends where i'm going really but on a day-to-day -day sort of thing it's mascara and liquid eyeliner is my go-to um so no i don't i guess i don't really but like um glitter has played a big role in my life for the last few years um and if i'm going to a festival or even going to a, a party a party or a wedding um 
then I will like wear like an eye gem or something like that because I just love wearing them and that makes me feel like a little bit more like I don't know maybe I've just I've upped the game in my outfit so even if my outfit if I'm not completely 100% my outfit if I'm wearing eye gems then mm -hmm. like I'm okay then I'm happy and I've I've pulled the the, the outfit off um, I don't think it needs to necessarily be a very necessarily be a very special occasion to wear like you know glitter and eye gems for but um, yeah I'd say that was the only other thing that I would do and then some sometimes if I'm really daring I'll wear like a loud lipstick but lipstick and me just don't really it ends up all over my face same <laughs> teeth and, and face yeah like, how did it get there yeah on the microphone exactly. that i'm using it just gets everywhere yeah exactly <laughs> exactly and you have to keep like reapplying it and stuff it's like a lot of effort it's a commitment it is mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. maximum effort minimum reward i think lipstick is <laughs> I've just realized because I was thinking about your makeup when I asked you that question I was like when I was when I imagine you in your makeup it's always glitter and jewels but I realize it's because that we've always met at Copperfield which uh, is or festival yeah, rather yeah so it is a festival yes. so I've seen mm -hmm. you in full festival face <laughs> that's very true that's very true and I'm probably wearing pom-poms and yeah, yeah I know you've not you've not seen my dress down days <laughs> um <laughs> well, maybe today I am but um, yeah, exactly. Like I've we've seen each other in those environments where I will go to town mm -hmm. on the face. I love it though. Is there an item of clothing you have that you put on and you instantly feel just amazing in? Well, apart from the Rosa Bloom items that are like head, you know, head to toe, massive sequins, which you can't help but feel amazing in. Um, <laughs> I would say that it was a dress that I bought um, pre-pandemic pre-mastectomy so I kind of bought this dress in anticipation of having a completely flat chest and then the pandemic hit I had nothing to wear it to but not only that um, the operation was delayed by about six months so I had this dress hanging in my room nothing to wear it to and also I didn't want to wear it because it's like so the reason I liked it and wanted to wear it, and it was so different from everything else I'd ever had, it had a very, it's got a very low cut V, um, V neck, and uh, with one boob or or both boobs, like your boobs are just poking out. And I would, even when I had both boobs, I would never wear something like that. I just wasn't confident enough to do that. I didn't want to have my boobs on show like that. But um, and then with one boob, you just look. It's like too obvious that you only have one boob not that I really cared but to me it was like just yeah. it just felt uncomfortable and also with a bra it just it just wouldn't work it just wouldn't work it's not like a dress like that but I knew as soon as I had a flat chest it would look cool because to me little boobs and like flat chested people I I love that look I I think I've always admired um like almost that androgynous look, but also just little little boobs. Little boobs, I think, are actually so sexy. Um, and uh, I just wanted to wear this dress. And it, it, obviously, it's quite obvious that I have no boobs. Not that I really care, but it was almost like it just. I just would feel so satisfied knowing that both sides were flat, and I just felt good in this top that wasn't. Uh, that was uh, that I had there was no risk of a boob poking out because there were no boobs to poke mm. out um, and I could show like a lot of flesh um, 
in a way that I just was really happy with. And anyway, so that was got delayed. And then by the time I did get to wear it, like it felt really good. And I guess that's a moment of feeling like this is an item of clothing that I've been wanting to wear and feel really good in. And now I finally got to wear it. Um, I didn't wear it to anything special. I just literally wore it like within days of having the operation and feeling really good in it. Um, I think sometimes you don't need to, an occasion to wear something to make you feel good in it. Like you literally just put it on on any old day and you can feel great still. Um, and the same, same goes for other items of clothing that it's almost like I got to, um, it's almost like suddenly after my operation, things started looking different on me. So it's almost like I was being reintroduced to my whole wardrobe because clothes started they just hung differently on me or sat differently on me. And I was like, suddenly like, I'm literally like, these are all these clothes are new to me now because my body's different. Um, and it was really great. And some things I was like, no, I can't keep this anymore. This looks shit now. And some things I was like, this looks even better now. And I had no idea until yeah. I had these boobs removed. So actually like, I didn't, I didn't need that mastectomy for any other reason than to um, feel better about my chest and how I wore clothes um, and I'm so glad that I put that need uh, to such a forefront because for so long I think when you are diagnosed with a terminal illness like the priority is always survival 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 don't die don't die don't die have a treatment do this do that and never are you allowed to really consider quality of life like, what does it mean to still be here in this body? What is this body doing for me other than wanting to, like, shut down and die? But, like, there are still moments of, like, feeling like I like being in this body. And if you can get to those moments, and if it takes an operation to get you there, then fucking do it. And it should totally be more prioritised. Um, but uh, it's taken... It took me 11, 11 years to get to that point <laughs> of realising that I could put my... Like my, I, I guess, aesthetic needs first um, above everything else. I was quite glad about that. Mm. Yeah. It's so interesting to hear you talk about it in, especially talking about that dress, which you're going to have to describe for us in a second because mm-hmm. I'm very excited to hear about it, and it being like low cut and mm. not having boobs as a, as a very empowering thing mm-hmm. because we're so often taught that if you have boobs that like that's your sexuality and that's your way of being empowered and things Mm -hmm. so to to hear you talk about not having boobs and it being an empowering thing is just Mm -hmm. just amazing really yeah I felt definitely twice as empowered having no boobs than having one boob um I mean, <laughs> I, like, I, I had a prosthetic boob for a while and then got bored of wearing that. So I was lopsided for a really long time um, and I was fine. But it's only until you really ask yourself, are you fine? Are you just saying that because you're trying to convince yourself and others that there are no rules, there's no set uh, picture of what a woman should look like and you're trying to defy this, um, like... Uh, I don't know this, uh, you're almost like trying to hide the trauma of breast cancer from other people because they can't deal with it. It's like, it's, it's how other people are dealing with your illness rather than how you're dealing with it. Um, and, and putting a prosthetic boob there is almost like putting it away. Like don't, don't deal, like this is another thing that we don't have to deal with right now because it's like you're hiding what is actually a massive thing in your life. 
And I didn't want to do that. I didn't want to hide it anymore. And I don't want to hide um, how I really feel about it. And it was like actually not making me that happy. And I wanted to be completely flat. And I guess in some pa- in some cases, people go the other way and go, actually, I want, an- I want another boob there now. And I want to have reconstructive surgery, which is such a big deal because it's such a massive operation. Um, but I'm lucky that I felt confident enough to say, no, I just want no boobs. Like for me, that is empowerment. Also, you've got the world's best tattoo. Yeah, yeah, I do. I do have a great tattoo. Um, <laughs> it's so good. It's um, how, how do I describe describe it to people? It's on your. It's it, it sort of incorporates your scar, right? Yeah. So that's from the first mastectomy on the left, which I had done twelve years ago, and then a few years after that, I decided to make a feature of the scar. Um, so at the moment, I have. Um, at the moment, it's not going to change. I have. Um, <laughs> I call her Tina. She's called Tina the Tightrope Walker and she's walking along the scar. Um, I think a lot of people, when they want to do something with their mastectomy scars, they try and cover it up. But I was like, no, I'm going to make a feature of it because, like, and there's something about, like, her balancing on a thin line, you know, she's, and it's very much, like, representing the way I'm trying to balance my life and everything I want to try and achieve with it still and while still, you know, being very unwell. Um and yeah I quite like the meaning behind it I just love everything about it um so I'm quite glad I I got that done it's amazing it's beautiful um the dress that you um that you wore Mm. it's not the Mary Benson one is it because I saw you in a beautiful (sighs) Mary Benson yeah I do love that dress so much actually there I'd forgotten about that one oh god there are so many great outfits in my life actually um (laughs) and I but I'm that's why you're on the podcast I know (laughs) this is so good that you're making me think about this stuff um the Mary Benson dress I haven't actually worn out out yet but I'm going to wear it to so I'm having two uh book launch parties because <laughs> why not <laughs> um so i'm wearing that to my second one rosa bloom for the first and then mary benson for the second now the the dress with the low v is um literally a dress that i picked up in zara there's me saying that i'm trying not to buy things off the high street um but it was one that i saw in the shop and thought that's the one that i want to wear once i've had the operation and it was one of those like i put guilt and the planet aside, I thought this is what's going to make me feel really good about myself again. Um, and uh, it's pink, and it's like um, it's knee length, and it's almost like this velvety, but not. It's like very soft material, and it's quite a heavy material, so it hangs really well. Um, and yeah, I love it. It's like goes really well, like boots. Um, so yeah, I haven't I haven't worn it too much actually, and I want to wear a bit more. So I'm going to stomp around in it over the next few days, maybe. And the Mary Benson one's beautiful as well. Mm-hmm. That's a pink, yes. with sort of um, puffed sleeves. Yes. that I've got a sort of a, a skirt at the bottom of them, mm-hmm. like a big frill, yeah, and with gold stars on. And those colours on you, you look absolutely amazing. You oh, look stunning. Thank in you. Them. I do. I do quite like those pinks on me. Because a few years ago, I was like, I don't like pink. Pink is always so associated with breast cancer. Let's kill that stupid, trite narrative, all the rest of it. And then I was like, actually, but I really actually like pink. So (laughs) I can't deny that I actually really like it. But I wish it was not so heavily associated with breast cancer, to be honest. But hey-ho. 
well, I definitely think that you are very well on your way to reclaiming it in that dress. Like, okay. I don't look at you in that dress and think breast cancer. I think that's an incredible <laughs> outfit. <laughs> okay, good. Okay, thanks. <laughs> hold on to clothes for a long time like what's the oldest item of clothing that you have oh yeah I actually really do I mean this jumper that I'm wearing uh is like maybe eight years old so I mean what do you think is a really long time what to use a long time well I think I'm a hoarder so yes mm. I got uh, you know I, I will have things from when I was, was sort of like bought when I was sort of 16. Okay, um, amazing. And I'm what, 34, 35 now? Oh, great. 35 now. Not everything. Yes. Um, and then I've got like a cardigan I'm going to wear later is one that my nana knitted. So I do hold on to yes. stuff and I like charity shops. Yeah. But I also have lots of new stuff as well. So uh, Amazing. Um, yeah. So yeah, I have old stuff. But do you know, stuff that I haven't hold, held on to is stuff from um, 2009, the year I was diagnosed, because they have such strong they hold such strong memories to being like well going through a really traumatic time of that early diagnosis stage um that yeah it was i didn't get rid of them straight away but it was a few years later that i was like i remember wearing this the day i was diagnosed why the fuck am i still got why have i got this because i like in the in the book i even describe what i was wearing that day like for some reason when something when such a traumatic event happens, for some reason you remember what you bloody wore. Like, I remember the, that outfit choice so well, and I don't know why. Like, I don't remember what I wore, like, this time last Thursday. Like, I cannot tell you, but on that day, for some reason, I know exactly this little mini skirt that I was wearing and the top I was wearing and the cardigan I was wearing on top of that. Like, and they're all gone. I got rid because I just didn't want to be reminded of that time and also weirdly mm. there's smells associated with it so even though obviously you can wash clothes there was something about the smell of the clothes from that time and uh, from going to the hospital a lot that sort of just clung to me and everything about like just clung onto everything that I owned and so I actually got rid of quite a lot of those things as well but again not right straight away it was only like a few years later I was like why why are you keeping this stuff like it actually like triggers something that isn't very nice um yeah like uh, and it was a great excuse to go shopping <laughs> lovely excuse <laughs> <laughs> um what's the best thing you've ever got from a charity shop then or thrifted from a second hand place mm, it's not so much thrifted from a second hand place more thrifted from my mother <laughs> lovely. even better um she wore this killer outfit to this wedding, my uh, uncle's wedding. Um, and I was must have been about two. It's this like two-piece number, which she got from a place called Country Casuals. Um, I don't know if you remember that. It's a bit like CNA. doesn't exist yeah. anymore. I love CNA so much. Um, <laughs> um and uh, yeah, so it's like a it's like a like a pencil skirt, which I don't that I don't wear that bit, but I wear the jacket that comes with it, and it's red, and I still wear it today, and it's like one of my favourite items. Um, so I say that was my be- that's my 
favorite secondhand item. And then I did buy this like denim dress from a uh, secondhand, like one of those upcycled shops, uh, like charity yeah. slash upcycled. So they've done something with it and for like 10 pounds. And it was like such a bargain. So I really, really love wearing that. And it's a great dress because you can wear it in summer and autumn. Like you can layer it up. Um, mm. So I, yeah, I've had that for a few years. And actually, um, I put on weight over the last couple of years and I got a big tear in it because um, it's got a slit in the denim bit, the, the denim skirt bit at the bottom. And um, it got like the slit just grew massively. And for so long, I just didn't wear it because of this massive hole. Um, and then I got my friend to fix it and now I wear it again and I was like oh, I was so happy when I got my friend to fix it because she's <laughs> well she's an amazing seamstress so it d took her no time if I'd done it it would have looked absolutely awful but and it's and I again I was like I was so happy that I'd done that and I'd gone to the effort of giving it to her and making her do it and like effort it's not that much effort but like <laughs> we just put things to the side or get rid of it or chuck it and stuff so easily when we could just fix things and wear it again and mm. um yeah and because I'd taken so long to actually do that it was so nice to wear the dress again because I hadn't worn it for so long I love that when you get something repaired that has been sat there for sometimes years mm -hmm. and it's like getting mm -hmm. a brand new item of clothing you're like this is yeah. free shopping <laughs> yeah absolutely can I ask, because you have lots of the things I see you wear have a vintage sort of twinge to them at least. Is there an era that you wish that you existed in just for the fashion? 80s. Love it. Very much 80s. <laughs> yeah. For me, 80s, like um, shoulder pads, love shoulder pads and um, colours, lycra, all that stuff. <laughs> Yes, and wearing like ponytails high up on your head. Great. <laughs> that that's that's that would be the time that I would truly come alive. Um, so I'm I'm gutted that I was like so little in the 80s that all of it, it passed me by. <laughs> I mean, I had really cool 80s baby clothes. I have to say, <laughs> like very cool. Um, but obviously didn't appreciate it at the time. It's wasted on a baby. I've always said that about great baby clothes. Absolute uh, waste. <laughs> <laughs> it is. <laughs> oh, you're so right. But I, do, I very much love buying clothes for my nephew, Herbie. Oh, my God. I'm obsessed. Actually, I've spent more money probably on him than I have on myself over the last two years, for sure. Yeah, I've just got a little niece and um, baby clothes is so good because even like designer baby clothes, you know, like, because everything's so small and sometimes it is like 50 quid, but I'm like, well, it's 50 quid. And I'm thinking it's the same. Oh, well, I would spend 50 quid on a top that I really like yeah. that's designing. But like, yes, Kiri, but it would be 950 <laughs> quid if you were buying it and you wouldn't fit in it for a week. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, no, I'd, uh, yeah, I'm the same. I just seem to be able to justify it so much when it comes to, oh, it's not for me. It's like, it's a gift for someone. Mm -hmm. um, I love dressing him up. <laughs> Oh, that's my favourite. The style that you have now of being sort of like eclectic and colourful and joyous, I think joyous mm -hmm. is a great, great word. And um, do you think that's that's here to stay? Like that's 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 your style. You're settled on it now. Yeah. Except 
there'll be moments where I'm like, maybe when it comes to winter, maybe it's a winter thing where I feel like, oh, I just really would like to be more monotone for a bit. Um, and I'll probably be, buy myself like a, like a black jacket or, or a black and white scarf and think like, this is me now. And then five minutes later, I'll be wearing some technicolored dream coat. So like <laughs> I, it's, I, I think I'm a, you know, I think it's fun to have phases and, uh, and to wear something a bit different to make you feel like you are something else for a bit. <laughs> but um, <laughs> ultimately, I will come back down. I will come back to cat items and <laughs> colourful things. No doubt. No doubt about it. <laughs> I think that is very much here to stay. And I, if I, if I see my old days, my old age days, and I really hope I do, then I hope to be like uh, head to toe in colour still head to toe in glitter um like i i want to be one of the like almost like the golden girls and just like mm -hmm. just uh, shuffle around in glorious knitted colorful items lots of pom-poms and holding a glass of champagne at 9am like that's what i want <laughs> that's what i want <laughs> sounds delightful absolutely delightful um is there an item of clothing you can always see yourself wearing Probably his jumper. <laughs> I can't <laughs> ever imagine parting with this uh, jumper with cats on. Um, I just, it's just like, I've probably looked at it a few times and gone, do I still need, yes, I still need this. Yes, I, because I don't wear it all the time, but, um, um, and probably the grey pants at the bottom of my pant drawer that I swear I'd get rid of, they'll probably be there till the day I fucking die. <laughs> I just don't... Yeah, that pair yeah. of pants where you're like, you're back! Yeah. I'm sure I burnt you uh -huh. under full moon. Yes. <laughs> I think they are like cockroaches. They will stay forever. <laughs> um, are there any trends that you're hoping don't come back? <sighs> to be honest... I quite like all the 90s styles that, that are around me at the moment. I just, I don't wear them because I, I cannot wear a crop top. Um, and so I kind of, I, I wish that there were so many great tops out there at the moment, but they're just not long enough. I need to cover my kidneys. <laughs> my kidneys get cold. Um, so uh, I, I kind of, I, I, for me, the crop top can go now please it's had its time <laughs> <laughs> yeah it has it has I, I do feel like the 90s stuff is lingering don't you yeah I, it's been coming back for mm -hmm. a while right mm -hmm. although um for so long right so i wore a lot of bell bottoms a lot of baggy bell bottoms at a time when they were not cool so uh, 15 14 15 year old me was walking around in bell bottoms getting them, dragging them through puddles, like sopping wet. I was that person mm -hmm. um, with little bits hanging off the end because I'd worn them so much. Um, and I, so many people around me said, they are not cool. They are not, they are from the 70s and they're, they're never coming back. They're never coming back. And I was like, you're wrong. They're coming back. And would you believe it? They're back. And I'm glad. 
I love a bell bottom. I think they're great. I think they're really flattering as well. I think they look good oh, on everyone. So flattering. You're so right. They're so much better than fucking skinny jeans. So much more comfortable as well. <laughs> so much more comfortable. Except you're right when it rains and then they just sort of soak yep. up the water mm-hmm. up to about your knee. Yeah. <laughs> the amount of times I have spent with wet ankles because of my trousers but defying the people that tell me that they're not cool or they're not ever going to be cool again showed them didn't i showed them <laughs> i think most of us who were like sort of skatery kind of emo oh, yeah. teens had a mild case of trench foot from sort of british winters in baggy jeans <laughs> <laughs> right so right oh but i love being an emo I loved it so much. It was good though, it wasn't was it? So and do you know what? Interestingly, because it wasn't the biggest salt in my school, there were emos mm. and then there was sort of everyone else. They were a small group. Yeah. Nearly everyone I've spoken to my age on this podcast was an emo. So I think there's something about an emo that's experimental mm-hmm. and stylish yes. that leads to very stylish grown ups. <gasps> great. I love, yes. Great theory. I, this is great observation and I'm glad I'm part of that for sure. <laughs> Um, final question what outfit would you want to be buried in um, firstly I don't want to be buried do not put me in the ground in one piece thank you very much <laughs> um, <laughs> second, secondly so, <laughs> so when I get cremated um, I do you know what I would say probably a rose of bloom Put me in sparkles, and do you know what? Those those sequins probably wouldn't burn, and there would be a massive plastic fume, <laughs> and it will poison everyone in the vicinity. <laughs> so <laughs> down with you. Yeah, exactly. Um, no, definitely something fun and sparkly, um, and maybe uh, some cat ears as well. Absolutely love it. Yeah, I think that was probably my outfit of choice. I'm, but I'm really glad that you've asked that because I don't think it's been... It's not talked about enough, is it? No. Your death outfit. What's your What's your death outfit? Well, it's interesting you say Rosa Bloom because um, I've got a few Rosa Bloom bits. In fact, some are behind me now because they make this beautiful... Mm-hmm. They do like leotards and, and shorts and jumpsuits with these massive, very shiny disc sequins. And... Um, when I really started feeling a bit happier in myself, I got a rose bloom jumpsuit and I wore it to play suit rather because uh, they do this amazing play suit with a cape at the top. So it's like a built in cape and I wore it to host the main stage at Latitude and I just felt so like me. Mm-hmm. And it was it was a lot of money for me at the time. You know, I had to save up a yeah. decent chunk to get it because they pay their work as well. And we all know that that stuff costs more money. Yes. Um, and so I just think that feeling of feeling totally like you and like, mm-hmm. you know, you're powerful and in control. Yeah. That's a really good thing to be yeah. cremated in or buried in, yeah. to feel like you're at your apex, Yeah, I think is a is a lovely idea. So definitely something very, very shiny, yeah. I think. Uh, I, I Weirdly, I ask people all the time and I've not thought about it myself, but yeah, I don't think you're very far off with your yeah. outfit. Yeah. But then in a way, you're like, oh, is it a bit of a waste? Someone could have worn that. And now it's burnt. <laughs> Not as well as I would, babe. <laughs> True. 
treat that. Um, or they'd wear it better and I would rather see it burnt than someone pull it off well, more than me. <laughs> good. No, that is a good point. That is a good point. Oh, Chris, what a brilliant babe. There was so much that resonated with me in that chat, <laughs> in particular about dressing in the countryside just being a bit easier. And I think in that way, maybe it's more, I don't know, more authentic. I don't know, I'm just <laughs> I'm trying to make it deep here, when what I really mean is I love wearing trackies. But I also love a sequin, and I thought, oh my God, it sounded so Welsh then, didn't I? I also love a sequin. Um, I'm not even from that part of Wales. <laughs> You're going to leave that in, aren't you? I thought this week's Indie Biz shout-out was an absolute no-brainer. It's Rosa Bloom. Chris and I are both fans, so Rosa Bloom make stunning sequin clothes worn by icons like Taylor Swift, Dawn O'Porter and me. <laughs> I've got a fair bit of stuff now, some new, some second-hand, but I can truly say the quality is, is genuinely amazing. The sequins are hand-stitched by a group of artisans in Bali who Rosa has worked with since 2010, and you'll find the name of the woman who stitched your garment on the label of the item that you buy. Um, the women are paid fairly, and there's constant consultation about their wages as well. And Rosa Bloom has worked with Fashion Revolution so they can identify areas that they can improve on as well, which I think is great that the companies, I guess there's a lack of arrogance there that they're like, okay, yeah, teach me, what can we do? I'm going to read out a section of their website, actually, which I think demonstrates the company's sensitivity and transparency I found really interesting. So following them talking about what they pay the women who work for them, it says, we would also like to offer more support, such as health insurance and an education fund for their children. But it's really important that we make any changes sensitively and appropriately so as not to have any kind of negative impact on the local economy. This sounds contradictory, but it really is so much more complex than we first thought, especially as we are coming from one culture into a completely different one and need to understand how that society functions before swanning in with our ideals based on our cultural background, which may actually not be appropriate in this new context. The more I learn, the more I realise there is to learn. But we are making progress and I'm excited for future changes that we have planned. I just think that is such an honest, um, upfront, non-squirmy way of dealing with the, you know complex reality of who makes your clothes and um, what is their life like and is their life better or worse for having made them so yeah I, I thought I just thought it was very impressive level of transparency so if you do want the shiniest outfits in town Rosa Bloom do a mean line in sparkles and I've also noticed their sizing is improving it wasn't brilliant when I first started shopping there but it goes up to now I think a double XL which is a size 18 to 20 which obviously is not, um, you know, all the way up. But I would say their leotard stretch freaking loads. <laughs> I have been much bigger than I am now. I've been much smaller than I am now and I've always just worn the same leotard. Um, they're like, uh, I don't know, most, I bet there's a superhero who has like magical stretchy clothes that I can't think of now. It's me, I'm the superhero. That's the big reveal, guys. <laughs> um Time for some messages now. We've had so much love for Sindhu's episode last week. Jojo said, brilliant episode. What an incredible, fascinating person Sindhu is. I could listen to her talking about her lives for hours and hours. Thank you. Thanks, Jojo. I totally agree. Like, I've known Sindhu for years now, and just every every chat I have with her, however 
trivial or sort of profound always is fascinating. And Kerry agreed. She said, I've always found Sindhu a great comedian, but what an interesting person too. Love this. I know, right? Aren't we all just desperate to read her autobiography? Luby said, brilliant. I laughed so much when Cindy was telling about her mum giving her the emerald ring. This is a really great episode and I've loved them all. Thanks, Kiri. Thank you so much for listening. Now, we've had a really lovely email from Lynn following Cindy's episode and she kindly said that I can read out. So she says, I just wanted to say a massive thank you, Kiri. I've just listened to this episode at work under cover of hidden wireless earphones. Lynn, spill your secrets. I didn't know those were a thing. And she says, and I had to absent myself for four cries. I beat you. <laughs> well done, Lynn. What a wonderfully moving lesson. I discovered your podcast when you spoke to the indomitable Jones, Rosie, and have stayed because it was so wonderful. Currently working backwards, it certainly struck a chord. And I think this episode in particular, we're currently reeling from a sudden terminal cancer diagnosis from my mum. And this chat has pushed all kinds of shock slash grief buttons not least because we are, mum and me, due to go and see Cindy's show in Hackney next week. And I'm currently not sure mum is going to get there. The space you gave her and the love you showed, given the unexpected turn of the conversation, was beautiful. The way Cindy speaks of her family with such calm, love and realism and her no BS approach is certainly something to aspire to. I'm thinking perhaps I'm not quite there yet. Still weeping. So thank you for such a moving and healing lesson. I'm off to try and explain away my bizarre behaviour in the lab today. Lynn, I deeply hope that you don't get sacked is the first thing. <laughs> the second thing is thank you so much for sending that email. It's really, well, it's really powerful. And as was the conversation with Sindhu. And I'm um, obviously, I'm absolutely gutted that any of it resonates with you, especially so close to home and so personally. But your words are so, so kind. And I really hope you guys got to go to Hackney together. I know from like personal experience that like cancer being so close to home as well. My mum has had it twice. She's still with us. Um, but yeah, it's a really hard thing, especially, you know, your mum as well. They're your protector. So when mums get ill, it's a really scary, scary thing. Because what happens when you're ill or when you're sad, you go to your mum. So well done. You'll be okay. Whatever happens, you're going to be absolutely fine. Um, and just thanks for reaching out. I got you know it's so hard about this. Same thing with Sindhu is, I just want to run over and give you a hug. <laughs> and the nature of COVID and recording everything remotely and this being an email and not a conversation means I can't. But if if you ever see me, please <laughs> give me a wave so I can give you a hug because that's all I want to do at the moment. And sorry, I can't do it. If you want to write to us, you can email whoyouwearingpod at gmail.com. Um, you can follow at whoyouwearingpod on Insta. Um, yeah, it'd be lovely to hear from you. And if you're feeling really generous, you could give us a nice review because it means more people find us. Enough of my bullshit <laughs> under a duvet. Um, we are back next week with activist and author Arja Barber. There's some great tips in there about building a designer wardrobe. As in, like, bits that go in it, not like a physical one from Ikea. <laughs> um, have a lush week. And, to quote Chris, even if it's a turd of a week, just sprinkle some glitter on it. See you soon. Bye. Who Are You Wearing is produced by Joe Southard. The artwork is by Mary Phillips. And the music is by Annie Glass. This has been a Little Wonder production.